Wow. You know, you just have those days where you just know you're going to have a day. You know what I'm talking about? I'm kind of feeling it. My wife and I are on a homework project, and my body hurts right now so bad I can't stand it. Coach, I feel like I've been playing football, man. I've been taking a leave and ibuprofen and every legal drug known to man. And uh, whoo, I think I might sit a little more today. You know what I'm saying? What are you laughing about? Well, we're going to have fun. I'm trying to put you at ease as I'm getting my act together. I was, uh, okay, here we go. We are going to get after it. We're going to talk about uh, grace this morning. Everybody likes grace. This isn't about hell or homosexuality or or, or justice or Satan. I tell you, when I preach about the devil, man, it's tough around here. We're going to talk about grace. And I'm going to do a five-week series on grace. And, uh, you know, my prayer is that God would teach me more about grace and uh, that I can maybe feed you on grace. And uh, the church uh, so many times goes into an ungraced position, if you know what I'm talking about. And the longer we're in Christ, we tend to get a little legalistic if we're not careful. We don't have a, a, a really healthy understanding of grace. So I've just chosen that for the next five weeks, I'm going to be speaking on aspects of grace. And today's about saving and sustaining grace. So turn to the back of your worship guide. It's a great place to fill in and take notes. People like to do that. And um, we're going to, uh, I like what I read. It says, grace declares that we are still God's pride and joy. How many of you like that? I like that. Grace declares that, hey, we belong to God, that he declares great joy, that as Zephaniah says, that he sings over us. And I really believe that. You know, Christianity is really supremely a religion, a relationship of grace. It's not of law. I mean, law's got a place. And there was a great book written years ago by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About grace. And he has a whole chapter that he talks about grace is scandalous. You almost say, scandalous? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at both sides of grace and look how outrageous grace is, it really is a scandalous proposition. It's hard to accept it. It's harder to believe it. And sometimes it's even hard to receive it. And my prayer is that during this series, there'll be some area that the Holy Spirit will laser focus into your life, and you'll begin to focus in on grace, and you'll go, you know, I haven't really understood that quite like I should. Like, you know, grace somehow shocks us. It, it offers something we know we don't deserve, and we're like, man, I, I just don't get it. I mean, uh, the, the message of Jesus is really a wondrous, awesome testimony of His grace offered to you and me. And then he says, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you corporately, and that'll be the church. And the church is to be a vessel of grace. And if the church is this conduit that holds grace, that grace flows through, people will want to go there. They'll, they'll want to mob there to receive it if they really believe it's there. And, um, but, you know, when you get into a graceless religion, when you get into a graceless relationship, you tend to not want to be around it. You, you tend to avoid it. You, you tend to run the other way, close your eyes, dodge. It's like if, if I don't uh, measure up to the rules that are given, God will somehow get me. God will somehow zap me. God is somehow mad at me. Ultimately, there will be an eternal rejection. So it's really important that we get this understanding of grace. I want to get you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 8 and 9, if you've got the NIV, you can read along with me. If not, just read it in your translation to the Lord. But Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, just a foundational text. Let's listen to the word of the Lord. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Lord, thank you for this word. God, I pray right now that as we just read your holy word, I pray that somehow we would get a new understanding of the reality of grace. God, I can give all the textbook and all the theological answers, and that would somehow fall so dismally short. I pray right now, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that grace would become real to us today like never before. And when we finally get it, when we finally abide, when we finally receive and rest in it, we'll be moved until you come again. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I, I just like to, to read that to you because I, I just think it's a powerful statement about what God wants to do. I mean, um, this, this grace thing. I, I want to give these to you. These are common statements, and I want to see how smart you are because I know I have the smartest congregation that I pastor. Amen? Amen. I know I have the smartest group of people in central Alabama. Amen? Yeah, see, I, what I got to do now, don't make me work too hard. Okay, ready? Complete the, the common American phrase. If it sounds too good to be true, I've heard that before. Okay. We make money the old-fashioned way. How? We earn it. Some of you are like, I steal it. No, no, not steal it. I earn it. Okay. We have a class for you at 2.30 this afternoon. All right, let's see if you get this one. Hey, this side don't speak because y'all seem to be really advanced. I want to see if this side here gets it. Okay, ready? There's no such thing as a free. There you go. Okay, good. Here we go. There's no game without. Okay, good. Last one. Hate this one. God helps those. Where'd that come from? And we always hear that. God helps those that help themselves. Whatever. Give me that verse. Okay. You see, it's an American Western thought. We have to earn it. Now, I'm all into we reap what we sow and we're diligent and we're not lazy and slothful. The Bible's full of talking about that. Just let them starve. You know what I'm talking about? But we have this concept that we have to earn everything. And grace isn't about earning anything, is it? Grace is a, is a gift. Grace is a gift. And yet, in our mindset, we have this American work ethic, if you will, and we live in a culture that commands effort. And if you try harder, I mean, how many of you have ever been on the gerbil wheel, the hamster wheel, where you've just tried harder to be a, a good Christian or a better Christian? Oh, come on. Probably all of us, if you're a Christ follower. And where does that get you? Just another turn. I mean, it just drives you nuts. You're like, man, I, I can't do this thing. I, I can't live for Christ. I can't be good enough. Let me give you the definition of grace. Just write in some of these. What is the definition of grace? I remember some 30-something years ago when I came to faith in Jesus, I was taught this, and this is a good definition. It's a very textbook. It's the unmerited love and favor of God. What is grace? It's unmerited. It's unearned. It's the favor and the love of God. But I'm going to give you another translation or definition. Grace is God's love in action. Don't you like that? It's the Father's love in action through His Son. And the third one would be this. Grace is the face that God wears when He looks at my failures. I like that definition. Do I have any people here that have failures? Yeah, surrounded by them, aren't I? And there's something about 
when a gracious God in heaven can look on my failures and my mistakes and your failures and your mistakes and he still smiles and he still loves and he still cares and he still woos and he still pursues and he still draws. Do you know I haven't saved anybody in over 30 years? Not one. The Holy Spirit saved thousands because he draws us unto the Father. Isn't that a beautiful thing? This thing's really all about God. It's, it's really not about man that we want to make it. So what is grace? It's a gift that we don't deserve, but God gives graciously. And here's a thought that's going to, you've heard it, but i got to repeat it. It'll rock your world. No one is too bad to be saved. No one is too wicked to be saved. You're like, nah, pastor. Now, you know about the pastor. No, no. I think grace can cover every sin, don't you? Now, you've got to repent, you've got to trust in Christ, but I believe none are too bad. Let me give you a verse I found in a study this week. Psalm 145, verse 8. Write this down. Psalm 145, verse 8. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Circle the word gracious. God is gracious. You know, we teach our kids when they're little, are you ready to say grace? Let's say grace. Let's live out a means of grace. And no, 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 we talk about that grace word all the time. So let's start with this acrostic today. What is grace? Number one, the G is it's God's gift to me. It's not something you and I earn, but it's God's gift. God says, man, I love to give gifts. And when I give these gifts, they're going to be uh, unbelievable. Romans 3.24 says, all of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. We're made right with a holy God. Sinful man, sinful woman, by what? By gifts. By the gift of grace. And you're saying, well, pastor, that is so simplistic. I know. But we complicate it so much by the way we try to earn God's attention, how we try to earn God's favor, how if I'm just good enough, if I just build enough hospitals, if I just do enough for the poor, if I just don't hit my cat, if I just don't do this, if I just don't cheat on that next test, and I'm not advocating you do any of those things, but if I just... If I'm just a little bit better, somehow God will love me more. Where'd you get that concept at? God's not going to love you any more than he does right now. Can you rest in that this morning? God is crazy about you and I. It's a free gift. It's like salvation is God's ultimate gift, and it's absolutely free. I don't know about you. When, when you get a gift and somebody gives you something, do you give it back? No, not hardly. If I walked up this morning, up and down the aisle, I said, John, here's $500 just because I think you're awesome. LeBaron, I think you need $500. Troy, I just want to give you $500. You know, here we go. Candy, I just want to give you $500 this morning. Clint, $500. $500. Rick, $500. What would y'all think if I just walked around and gave out $500 bills? <laughs> Well, that's what you think. You think, man, this is the most awesome church I've ever been to. They ask for your money, but then they give you more back. I mean, you know. Now, it's not going to happen, so don't get too excited, okay? I mean, if you looked in that worship guide and saw the deficit I'm seeing, don't worry about $500, okay? Now, you can give $500 anytime you want to. We'll take another offering if you feel compelled right now. But the bottom line, but, it, but it's God's gift. And Christianity is built on grace. God's offering, God's initiative. You see, we're into this thing, and I want you to just write out here a box. We're into this thing, what can I do? What can I do? What can I accomplish? But here's grace. Grace is about what's already done. But we want to go, but God, I'll offer you. God, I'll do this. God, I'll do that. And God's all into this 
already done it. Last weekend, I preached my heart out about the cross. That was God's initiative, gracious life given freely that we might live. So it's already done. How many of you are excited about that concept this morning? Grace is already done. Grace has already happened. Grace is already right now. It's not something that will be accomplished in 2010. It might happen in 2020. Grace already happened once and for all at the cross. Man, that, that is awesome. Man. I just, well, God, thank you for grace. I mean, you're saying, well, Pastor, you're, you're, just, you're just making it so easy. Well, well, grace is not cheap. Not easy, but it's easy to understand if we'll just say, God, let me put my mind around it. The, the fundamental difference between Christianity and the religions of the world is they're all trying to earn their way, their passage to God. How foolish. And that's why cults thrive, because they brainwash people in that if you do this and you do this and you accomplish this and you have enough good works and the scale will somehow tip one day, you will make it into the pearly gates. Well, I just got one question. How much work is enough? How much is enough? Because you ain't never going to get there on that one. But if I go, grace is a gift. It's God's process. It's God's initiative. It's what God's already done. See, we, we get to heaven based on what God's already done, not on what we're doing. I, I like that. Let's look at R. We receive this saving grace by, by faith. St. Augustine said, God gives where he finds empty hands. A man whose hands are full of parcels can't receive a gift. If your hands are full of other things, you'll never receive. If your life's full of all this other stuff and all this clutter, you'll never really receive grace. But if you come to God with a pure heart and clean hands and extended to heaven and open to, to bid and do His will, you're a candidate for grace. I remember when I called on that grace of Jesus. I remember when I first realize what grace was. Oh, I don't think I've ever told this before, but as a little kid, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a pro baseball player or I wanted to sing in a southern gospel quartet. I did. And I would play baseball and I would play outside and I would sing southern gospel music lost as an Easter egg in November to the top of my lungs. I mean, I could, I, right, and I won't, don't worry. I will spare you. I don't want to lose the crowd. God's growing here. I would just sing these Southern Gospel songs because I would wake up, and my dad didn't know Christ till eight years before his death. I had the joy of leading him to Christ. But I, I remember every Sunday morning, this was the experience in the Waldrop household in the uh, 60s. Can't believe I'm going to do this. This is something. Here it is black and white TV. Big, honking, black and white TV. And this is the first sound I heard every Sunday morning. Jubilee! Jubilee! And then they like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And that just rang all through our house. Did anybody hear gospel singing Jubilee when you were coming up? The Florida boys and all that? Woo! What an experience. I just wanted to give my life to Jesus so he turned it off. I'm like, oh, Dad. But I remember one of the last things I ever did with my dad, I took him out one night. They invited me to come down and open up Gold City down at Patterson Field one night. They were having a big concert, and I took my dad. Last thing we ever did together. And uh, it was an awesome time for us. But anyway, this grace thing, man, it's, I don't even know how I got onto that, but here we go. But we, we receive it by faith, yet you have to be open. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We, we read it a minute ago. Here it is. It's God's gift. So it's His gift. We can't boast. We boast in the cross. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven. Put in our faith in Christ. Uh, salvation is a gift based not on performance, but based on God's promise. Write that down somewhere in your notes. Salvation is based on not your and my performance, but it's based on God's promise of eternal life in His Son, Jesus. The A. The A is available. It's available to everyone. I like what Scripture says. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be... It didn't say everyone that calls the Lord might be saved, could be saved, one day might be saved if they do enough work. It says all those that call on Christ Jesus in faith will be saved. Regardless of your background, regardless, regardless if you're religious or non-religious, regardless if you're this or that, educated, uneducated, poor, rich, whatever, ethnicity. Don't you like that word? Whatever, it doesn't matter. It just comes from Christ. It, it's His gift. It's, it's an unconditional gift from Papa. Here's the seed. It comes through Christ. It comes through Jesus Christ. John 1.17 For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through the man, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the law, and you should be, because the law reveals to us our need for a Savior and that we have sin. But I really like the grace part. Grace came through the man, Christ Jesus, because he pays the price of admission. I mean, the law tells you and I, you blew it. We already know it, but the law reminds us. But grace says there's a way back. Don't you like that? There's a way back to God by grace. Romans 5.15, many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Christ Jesus. We all are sinners and have an Adamic. That means the nature of Adam, we're sinners, but we are brought back, we're rescued by the one man, Jesus Christ. So we blow it with Adam, but we get rescued in Jesus. Where do you want to live? I want to live with Christ. I, I want to trust in Him. It's like, you know, these things that disqualify us in life and these things that give us guilt and, and our sins heap upon us and we, we get shut down and these things that hurt us and we're ashamed of our past and we're ashamed of hurts and all these different things. And then God says, but I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the gift of my son. Um, Jesus takes all your and my scars and pain and mistakes and, and, he, and he washes over us. And, and I still don't get that one. I understand it. I mean, I can talk about it, but still, this whole idea that I can get covered. You know, I have a prayer every morning uh, in this vein. Um, before I face my day, there's I have rituals. Do y'all have rituals? I mean, if you're honest, we all have rituals. I, I put on the full armor of God every single day before I walk out of the house. That's Ephesians 6. That's a scriptural thing to do. I've prayed the prayer of Jabez 25 years. I prayed the prayer of Jabez before Jabez was cool, okay? Uh so when the book came out, I went, what's the big deal? I've been praying this forever. Uh, I pray prayers of protection over my family. I do that all the time. Uh, but I, I have uh, another prayer that, um, that I just like to pray. I prayed it this morning. Lord Jesus, would you cleanse me, but would you robe me in your righteousness? Would you cover me afresh in your blood today? You see, I don't feel worthy to do anything. And I don't feel worthy to come out on this stage and preach to a bunch of awesome people. You're saying, you don't know me. I ain't too awesome. So I'm just glad you showed up. But I really don't. And I'm just saying, Jesus, cover me in your blood. 
Because if there could be something righteous, it would have to be Christ in me. You know what I'm saying? And that ought to be one of your prayers. Lord Jesus, cover me today. Because how many of you, how, how many of you did something yesterday you're ashamed of? Wait, 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 wait. Raise your hands a little high. Did any of you say anything yesterday you wish you hadn't said? Did anything, anybody do anything yesterday? Anybody a sinner? What should I do the next one? Oh, oh, that hurt. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, that was the dumbest thing. Oh, baby, bring me some leave between services. Oh, that's all right. The illust- that one's called a spontaneous illustration that came on me, and then I regretted it. Okay, I love you. Oh, oh that was not smart. Okay, here we go. Let me move into this. You ever never know. I might do an aerobic thing for you here. Grace. Here it is. Write it down. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's one of the best definitions I've ever heard. I mean, I just always think about it. I say, God, that's what it is. I, I don't want to try to live this Christian life because I'm not very good at it. But I want to trust Christ to live his life in me. But I want you to write this thought down somewhere because this is so key. Repentance is the doorway to grace. Repentance is the doorway to grace. Somehow, repentance gets left out of the modern-day contemporary church. We have to repent. That means I'm going this way, I'm going my way, and I turn and I look to a holy Savior, and I go, yes, Lord Jesus, I confess my sin, I turn from them, and I want to follow you in the power of the Holy Spirit. So repentance opens the doorway to grace. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. You see, God seeks not to crush you and me. God seeks to liberate you and me. Are you grateful for that this morning? God wants to liberate you. See, I want our church to be liberated. You're like, you're talking about like women's lip? No, 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 no. I want you free, baby. I want you to soar in the grace. It's like, but you have to admit you have a need. It's like when I talk to alcoholics, they have to first admit to themselves they have a problem. And when you first admit that you have an addiction or a problem, then you're on your way to recovery, to restoration, to wholeness. And I meet a lot of people, they just con the people, and they con the counselors, and they con the clinics, and they con their groups. But the ones that really get sincere, man, they get well. They get sober. They move out in faith. Man, it's an awesome thing. And it's the same way with any other sin, man. When we go, God, I'm just like blown it. I need grace. God's there. But you're saying, well, I, I, like, I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a 20th century German theologian. I read his book about 25 years ago. And he, and he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And he coined a phrase I've never forgotten. I use it all the time. Matter of fact, I started to use it last night, Don. I thought it was interesting. We were having a conversation, uh, Hannah and Becky and Don and me, and it was really fun. And I started to use this, and I didn't because I guess I was saving it for today. Here's Dietrich Bonhoeffer's claim to fame, in my opinion. He called, there's no cheap grace. Write that down this morning. Put down, there's no cheap grace, and put it in quotation marks. See, a lot of people, they just want to smear grace on everything. I'm all about receiving and and if you will, smear it doesn't sound very good, but covered in grace. But there's no cheap grace. And we prostitute, we make grace look cheap when we just walk any old way. And, and cheap grace, to summarize it, would be grace abuse. You just abuse grace. And if you really understand grace, you don't abuse it. If you really understand grace, you want to see how holy you can get. You attain, you pursue holiness. I could go into a whole sermon right now, we could stay to 2 o'clock, and I won't do it. But people ask me some of the dumbest questions, and that's all I'll say. 
<laughs> might be you for all I know. But, but here's the thing I do know. We don't need to abuse grace. We need to pursue God in His holiness, okay? And, and the church collectively is not pursuing God very holy like we once were. We, we want God to come meet our needs and be our celestial Santa Claus. And God's like, no, I've got something greater. I want you to attain holiness. You see, a call to conversion includes discipleship. Now, that's the word for the church. You've been around here for a week or 10 weeks or 10 years or 13 years or two minutes or just this morning. If you're going to be a Christ follower, I just want to go ahead and tell you, it's not about conversion. It starts at conversion. It's a discipleship. It's a process. Amen? I've been trying to become like Jesus Christ, trusting in His grace for over three decades, and I've got a long way to go. But so do you. Amen? And we never attain it in this life. But I mean, a lot of people, they're just not pursuing holiness. I don't know what they're pursuing. The flesh. Eat. Extend it throughout eternity. I like that. Grace Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, eternal life in heaven is the benefit of grace. Now, I want to I tell you something. I remember when I learned this, because there's some confusion. If I receive Christ, I'll have eternal life. Well, that's true. You're going to have eternal life whether you receive Christ or not. It's just one will be in hell and one will be in heaven. And I chose by an act of my will to receive grace when Christ pursued me to receive Him as my gift, Him as my payment, that I might go to heaven when I die. Amen? And when you receive Christ, you have eternal life, hope in heaven. And when you don't receive Christ, when you reject the Savior, you're going to have eternal life. Just not the one you wanted. You're saying, well, why do you, why do you tell us that? Because it's my charge. Because I care about you. And if you go to hell without a Savior, I can't help you. Jesus won't even be able to help you in hell when you seal that. It's like, well, I need to receive Christ. Last Sunday, I had some teenagers years ago. I had Maris and Meredith and Blair. Maris and Meredith were uh, twins. They went to Randy School, the Frederick girls. Her daddy was like an All-American or All-Star at Auburn. 61 years old. Great shape. Him and Mike Cullen, best friends. Sometime last Easter weekend, he had a cookout. Told his family he didn't feel well. He went to lay down. And he had a massive heart attack and he died. Solid Christ follower. Boom! Man, I've been praying for that family all week. Their life was turned upside down in the blink of an eye. But you know what the great thing is about Connie? He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He put on Christ. Still going to be hard. For his family, but hey, that's Christ. That, that's the goodness of Christ. Listen, I wrote this down. Heaven is a place of reunion. If you've had people that died in your family, you'll be glad for reunion. It's a place of reward. I like reward. It's a place of reassignment for new work because God has things for us to do in heaven. And it's also, I love this one. Heaven is a place of release from pain and suffering of this world. How many of you are glad that we're not going to have to pay taxes in heaven? Yeah, since we just finished tax day. Yeah, hallelujah on that one. Adam, come sing right now, brother. Hey, how many of you are glad our joints are not going to hurt anymore? Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that we're not going to have to go to the doctor for checkups? Praise God. And as we age, they have invented stuff to do to our bodies. That is over. See, I'm starting to learn this stuff about getting older. Everybody used to tell me, oh, man, wait, wait till you get older, preacher. It'll get crazy. 
They were lying. They didn't tell me the story. Okay, here you go. Grace means God sees me as chosen. Grace means God sees me as rescued in Jesus. Grace means God sees me as adopted in His only begotten Son. Grace means that God sees me as honored in Jesus Christ. Grace means He covers me. I like Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you and me. Isn't that a great thought? The Lord looks forward. He's eager. He longs to be gracious to you. Wow. God, you want to be gracious to me? Now, I told you when I opened this thing, I said grace is hard to accept. It's hard to believe. And it's hard to what? Receive. God wants us to receive. Grace is free. I like what E. Stanley Jones says. Grace is free. But once you take it, you're bound forever to the giver. Isn't that good? You're bound forever to the giver. I want to be bound to my giver. How about you? I want to be bound to him and be sustained. Let's get to the last point. Sustaining grace is the power to keep going when I feel like giving up. Now, some of you just feel like giving up sometimes. I understand that. Sometimes I want to give up. I, man, I don't want to do any more of that. That's work. That's tough. That's hard. I, I don't want to do more of that. And, you know, and I want to keep more rules, and I want to do routine. But relationship with Christ is based on grace. So Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will perfect it against the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you believe that scripture? I am confident of that very thing, that thing that God began in my heart at Troy University, he will complete against that day of his son. Hallelujah. He hasn't completed it yet. And you get to see the uncompleted version on this side. Sustaining grace is the power to keep going. 1 Peter 5.11, my purpose in writing is to encourage you, to assure you that the grace of God is with you no matter what happens. Grace is with us no matter what happens, no matter what I do, no matter what I go through, what trials, circumstances, situations, trying to live for God, going against the flow, being called names, being persecuted for His name's sake, God is with us. And then I want to ask this, what are the most difficult kinds of trouble to handle? What are the toughest things that you and I face? In that box, I want to give you some things, and you'll have to fill it out on your own this week, but here it is. Number one, the unplanned things, the unrelenting things, and the undeserved things. The unplanned, the unrelenting, the undeserved things, those are the tough things in life, aren't they? And you're just like, God, man, I, I just can't do this. God, I just want to bail. God, I just want to crawl in a hole. In, in these troubles, let me tell you something about these troubles. These troubles serve a purpose. And the purpose is for you and I to be stripped of self-sufficiency and to depend on the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. So next time you or me go through a trouble, we need to remember this little box and go, God, this right here is an opportunity for me to grow in grace. This is an opportunity for you to extend grace and for me to really believe it but to receive it. And that somehow I get stripped of the things that I cling to, the little earthly things. I was looking at Isaiah 41. You don't worry because I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid because I'm your God. I will make you strong. I will help you. I will support you with my big right hand that saves you. God already says, I've already done it. I'm, I'm the strength. I, I will be with you. I don't care whatever conflict or issue you deal with this week. I'm going to be there. And, and that's a great thought to me is this thing that, hey, God, you're there, that you promised to help us in our time of need. Now, let's look at this last thing quickly, how to receive God's sustaining grace. 
you cry out to God. You throw yourself on the mercy seat of heaven. You throw yourself in dependency of Him. You say, God, I need your strength. I need you to sustain me. God, I need to rely on you. God, I've been relying on myself. It's, it's not working out. And I think God sometimes goes, good. That's what I've been trying to show you for 20 years. Secondly, you fill your mind with God's Word. You fill your heart and your mind with the truth of Scripture. You let Scripture become your strength. You let Scripture comfort you. You let Scripture guide you. You let Scripture direct you. You allow Scripture to give you energy. The third thing, you accept support from God's people. I talk about it all the time around here. It's called community. It's called small groups. You surround yourself with a biblical group of Christ followers, and you do life together in Jesus' name. And the church said, that's how life really makes sense. And I'm amazed how many people around this church still think, well, I don't really need the brethren. I don't need the sisters. You do. I mean, Scripture, I could give you all these biblical reasons, but you need to. And the fourth thing is, you hold on to God's promises. There's over 7,000 promises of God contained in the Holy Scriptures for you and I. And we, we hold on to them. We, we rest in them. And I'm just wondering this morning, where do you need God's sustaining grace? I mean, that's just a question for reflection. Where is it that you and I need grace? Um, you know, grace just shocks us. You get saved by grace. And this morning, I just believe that there's some right now that need to embrace grace in a new dimension. I don't know what that dimension is. It, it might be saving grace that you call upon the matchless name of Jesus and you give your heart to the King. Maybe it's just that you begin to get a comprehension and understanding of grace. Maybe it's just that you need to apply grace to others. I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks about offering grace. I just am trusting right now the Holy Spirit is doing a work. Over at your right at the cross, there are people there to receive you, a man and a woman, one of our elders and his wives. And they're there just to receive you, to, to pray over, to with you, to agree with you, to support you. See, this kingdom of God thing is, is huge. And grace is there. Grace awaits you right over there. Why won't you go for it? Because you're scared? Because you don't really believe it? No, get rid of that pride. Run to the cross. So right now, can I invite everybody to stand to your feet? We'll make it a little easier for you to move. Just everybody stand. I, I'm telling you right now, I sense in my spirit, there's some people right now that just need to make a gentle walk to the cross. Would you take somebody by the hand right now if you need to go? and say, Would you go with me? I need to go. Right now, in this moment, would some of you just begin to journey over to the cross? Just, just go ahead. Just make it over there. I'm going to give you just about 30 seconds. That's ringing in my spirit. There's some people that need to make a bridge. They need to go over there. And you'd be foolish not to. Because grace is never cheap. Maybe you've abused grace. Can, can I make that the last invitation? Maybe you've abused grace so much you've made it cheap. Today would be a day to repent and get it right. So just make a journey over there. Man, thanks for that soft piano sound. That just, does that soothe your soul this morning? It just makes me go down deep. Well, that's our invitation today.
Feel free to email me or call me this week if you want to talk more about this grace. I'd love to share that with you. Hey, this afternoon, I hope you have an awesome day. Hey, I love you. Thanks for being a part of Christ community. Have a good afternoon.